what we're speaking about today is establishing culture <laughs> and how we influence culture, uh, the culture that we're around, whether it's our words, our actions. But, but the God desires, he desires that the culture of the kingdom, what's happening in the, the, the kingdom, what's happening in heaven around the Lord, what he is about, what he is doing is the very culture or kingdom that we would experience here on the earth. Turn to Matthew for a moment, Matthew uh, 6. And he calls us into this reality, Matthew 6, 9. He says, in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom, right? Your, your culture, the, what is happening, the, the desires that you have in heaven, the way that you relate to people, the way that you relate within the Trinity, that, that reality, that kingdom in heaven would come. And your will, your desires would be evident on earth, and I'm, I'm adding into this, on earth as it is in heaven. And here's, here's this prayer. This is the desire that, that Jesus has. He goes, connect to this reality. What is taking place in heaven, that very culture, that very kingdom? He goes, I want that to be evident on the earth. Amen? Where there's no, there's no sin, there's no pain, all of those things, even the supernatural things in the earth, but the very natural things, the relational things, would be happening here in our church there's th- this reality, this should be the reality. When somebody comes into the church, they should experience and feel a very different culture than what they experience on the outside of the church. Okay, the culture that's established in the church should be a reflection of the culture in heaven, not a reflection of our society. Amen? When somebody leaves, when they, when they experience us, they should say, wow, what, what was different? Because it, it is different. There is a difference that should be happening. But you and I, we begin to establish that culture. We, we understand through prayer, and I'm so thankful for prayer and what is taking place. I, I often um, speak about when we set our hearts to pray for our school and for our city and for the churches. And in that prayer, we're seeing the desires of heaven actually coming, coming down and being established here in our city. We see massive transformation in our school and the, the leaders and in the churches with unity and even in the city. And we see God moving in such a powerful way because of prayer. But even beyond that, he calls us to begin to act those things out, begin to, to live out the kingdom principles, the culture of the kingdom on the earth, that we would create the culture of the kingdom, if you will, here on the earth in our midst. This is not just for church, although, you know, I'm, I'm speaking and saying our culture here in the church should change. But this is, this is very personal to me when it comes to my family. I've really been dialoguing with the Lord and saying, what is the culture within my family? What has the culture? As a father, what is the culture that I have established? When someone encounters my family, when someone comes into my home, what is it that they perceive? Is it different if they entered into an unbelieving home? 
Is it different than when they enter into the workplace or other families? Are they experiencing the very culture of heaven? Are they experiencing God? Because he calls us to be a light on the hill, right? A city on the hill that is representing that it has the life or the light of God breaking forth rather than the culture of the earth. It means it stands apart. It's separate. It's visible. He goes, don't hide it. Put it on the hill, and it should be this where people see that, and they see a difference, you know, because it's not reflecting the culture that's on the earth. That's what I want my family to look like. That's what I want the fam- my, my, my life personally to look like. And we play a part, part in that, each individual. Amen. He says the, the culture or the kingdom of God, if, if you in Romans uh, 14, 7, it says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, it's peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because this, this is what he wants to ex- us to experience in our midst. Because he, he, he wants it to reflect heaven and that kingdom, what it looks like, is that there would be peace. That there would be right living, righteousness that would come forward. And there would be joy. Let's turn to John 5.20. I love looking at Jesus' life and the way that, that he lives. That we can mirror that and... And do what he did. It says in verse 19, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. So this, this is how he lived. He goes, what I'm seeing the father do. What I'm seeing in, in the heavenly realm, what I'm seeing in the kingdom he goes, that's the very thing that I live out here on the earth. Because that's, that's the bridge between the kingdom coming down to the earth as you and I in this age. He goes, and so what he does is he presents his, his, light, his heart and he looks to those things and he says, okay, I have to understand what the Father is doing. I have to to begin to see what God is doing, how he would respond in this situation, what he would speak about, what his actions would would begin to be to carry out in the earth, and that very thing I will begin to do in the earth. And he goes, I do nothing unless the Father is doing it. What if our lives were set in that way? What if we're in a constant dialogue with the Father? What are you doing right now? What are you saying? What, how would you respond? And then that would be the very culture that we bring in. That would be our very response in the earth. We see as righteousness and joy that, that this culture, what, what he wants to create in the earth is glorious. Right? It's life. That's, he goes, forever who believes in me will have life, everlasting life. What, what God wants for us is life. Now, I know I've spent the last six, eight weeks talking about martyrdom. And, and really, I want us to be careful on this issue because our, 
our life vision is not to be a martyr, right? And God doesn't desire, although the, the temporal sacrifice in this age is um, that would, the, the pleasures of this age do not outweigh the, the pleasures of heaven. So what we understand is sometimes there's a, there's a time of sacrifice that happens in this age that we could experience the fullness of pleasure in the age to come. And, and that will far outweigh the, very, the small sacrifices in this age. But our vision, okay, as much as we've been talking about martyrdom and giving our lives to the Lord, our vision for, God, for us and that God gives us in our life is not just to die or have a suffering life. The vision that he has is what is being experienced in heaven would be our experience on this earth, and it would be unto everlasting life. Amen? God does not want you to be miserable in this age. He says this, he goes, the reason, and and the reason that he's saying, do what I do in in the heaven, do what I do, begin to bring that kingdom to the earth, is not because he just desires to rule the earth. That's that's not his his primary um, role is not, hey, I just want to have dominion over the whole earth. It's this, look at verse 20. He goes, for the father loves the son. And he shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you marvel. I, I read that verse that, that pierced my heart. He goes, the reason I'm bringing you into this understanding. He goes, Mark, why I want you to see what I do. And, and I want you to lift your gaze up to heaven. And begin to, even when it's difficult... Begin to embrace the kingdom realities. The culture of the kingdom is because I dearly love you and I want you to experience life. Notice, he didn't say to Jesus, he goes, because you love me, although this is a true statement, because you love me, do the things that I I do. He goes, it's because I love you. He goes, I created you. I had your image before I created the earth, and I brought forth the earth that we could experience pleasure in life together. In other words, the earth was created for you, not you for the earth. That's, that's because the Lord desires us so deeply to have life and to experience his kingdom. And, and when we come against these, these difficult things in the culture where we say it almost looks like they're experiencing pleasure, it almost looks like we're the ones that are in bondage and not them. And, and they are, are fruitful. And he's saying, no, beloved, trust me. St- grab, grab your, turn your eyes to me that when you begin to live these things out, he says, it's, it's because I love you. I will show you these things that you can experience life. Amen. Matthew 5. And because it's so radically different than the culture of this age, it's so radically different than what we see in society, it is a difficult thing to do. At times, it's, but, but the fruit of it is always life. Although it's, it's difficult now, he says the, the fruit that will come forth is a blessed lifestyle. Matthew 5, he says this, blessed 
He goes through the, the Beatitudes, and he says, this is a blessed lifestyle. He goes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will shall, shall be comforted. And he begins to speak about the kingdom. And then in the midst of this, this reality of, of the blessed lifestyle, he goes, when you begin to do this, you will be light. Matthew 13 and 14, he goes, you are the light of the world. When you begin to set your heart to these things, that, that the kingdom begins to show you what Jesus calls you to do, he goes, then the light will begin to break forth. I, I believe that it's time, and, and I'm not saying this just to our church, because well, I'm so excited about what God's doing in our midst. Really what I'm doing is just throwing fuel on the fire. I, I'm just saying, let's just keep going with this. God is good. I, I mean, I don't know what's, what's happening all around us, but I, 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 every time we come into the church, God moves in a powerful way. We meet in the, the, the homes. God, God shows up in such a powerful way. Salvation is happening. Healing's happening. I don't know if you're here Wednesday night, but uh, if you weren't, you missed out big time. Because God came. <laughs> it was so powerful. And there's so much life in that. And I, and I believe this is the grace of God to say, all right, let's partner with what, what I'm doing. Let's begin to grab a hold of, of what I'm doing because this is unto the, the light on the hill. This is unto a city on a hill where our light will break forth. Life will come forth in that. And so no, no way am I saying that um, this is no way a rebuke. I'm, not, I'm just encouraging the fire saying let's go for this but i believe we're in a season if we need to know or if we need to do what the father is doing and he is revealing himself openly in this season he's saying here i am this is what i'm doing but it's the hour that we begin to grow in the knowledge of god if he's giving us a call to do what he does if he's giving us a call to to bring forth his kingdom on the earth we have to know what his kingdom is about this is not the hour to, to cast this thing aside. We have to know it so deeply. We have to know it for our children. To begin to, to teach them the difference between the society of the world and the society, the culture of the kingdom. We, we have to begin to have this as our plumb line, not Facebook. Not even our, our president. Because... To be honest, Facebook looks like the plumb line right now. <laughs> but, but this Bible, his words, his truth, the revelation of, of Jesus. I believe the prayer of Paul that says we need to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ is so critical and timely for this generation. He says... Growing in the knowledge of God in Colossians 1.9. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. This is his prayer. Listen to this. It's the desires that Paul has. He goes that you, you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Do we know his heart? Or do you know the, the very will of the Father? Do you know his desires? What he loves, what he hates, what his kingdom looks like, how he calls us to respond. 
the culture that we're supposed to establish. Do, do we understand that? Do we, are we looking at the Father because he says he shows, he shows us what he's doing because he deeply loves us? He goes, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and in increasing in the knowledge of God. This, this is the call for us right now. I just want to stir up such a hunger for the Bible. It's, it's life. And when, when we read it and then we encounter Jesus through it, when, we, when the Holy Spirit speaks to us about Jesus through this word, you feel life. Your circumstances can be the most devastating circumstances But when you take this moment and you engage into the word and you begin to to dialogue with the Holy Spirit, everything shifts, doesn't it? It's like life breaks into that dry place and that dark place. It's the light. And it's life. But it's not only light and life, but it directs our paths that we would have a fruitful and blessed life. It's, It's actually showing us what to do on the earth. It's calling us into action. Second Corinthians thirteen or three fourteen. We won't turn there, but he, he says we'll look at it later, but he says to gaze upon the beauty of Jesus. That we would set our eyes, we would fix our eyes on him. There's so many things that we can fix our eyes upon in this age. I mean, there's a million things that we can give our hearts to in this age. I was telling my boys they're they're really beginning to um, enjoy sports and and basketball and these things and and I we we took a trip and I would encourage you to do this. We uh, every year take a uh, we call it a guys trip, a men's trip, and it's just me and my boys will leave. And go stay in a hotel. We went to a Pistons game. And it's just a time where I could just be with them. And we got into the conversation of, of sports. And I said, you know, I, I, I believe the Lord wants you guys to to play sports. And I want you to, to I, mean, I don't know. I don't know if I said the Lord. I said, but I love the, that you guys play sports. And I want you to practice hard. I said, I want you guys to be really well. And I want, I want, I want you to put your time into it if you're going to do it. But I said, I'll tell you this, in a personal experience, sports became an idol in my life that surpassed God. So quickly, we can lift that thing up where that establishes who we are. It begins to establish our value and our identity, right? our worth, that, that, that thing. And, and we begin to pursue that at, at almost any measure and we have to be so careful with these things. I, I want them to glorify God in sports, and I believe that's, that can happen. I absolutely do. Where they're sportsmanlike and how they serve God in that. And, but, but that can flip over so fast. Beloved, we, we, I don't even know how I got on that conversation. That, that we would fix our eyes upon Jesus. Jesus alone. That we would gaze upon him and not the worldly things that would fade. Not the worldly things that would even bring you up for a moment 
that, that then when it's taken away from you, it crushes your life. How many times have we seen someone put all of their life into one thing, whether it's sports, finances, a job, um, f- even a, a, a family, not, not in a bad way, but, but they get all of their identity and value out of those things, and it becomes what they worship, and it begins to remove their gaze from Christ. And right now is the hour where we will have a million things to do We'll have a million things to to put before our eyes and our hearts, but our gaze has to be on Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen. We have to know him so deeply. This is not really in my notes. We cannot miss this opportunity of knowing Jesus when he's revealing himself openly. Well, if he is speaking in the way that he's speaking right now, he is pouring out dreams and visions. He is awakening the hearts. I mean, there are so many hearts that are set on fire right now. It's about weekly where I hear someone say, I am, I am now understanding Jesus, and I want to give my life completely to him. But a lot, a lot of what I'm hearing, though, is not just outside of the four walls. But in, in the church as a whole, he's setting our hearts on fire. Amen? We, we may have been to church 10, 20, 30 years, but it seems like we're in a season where we knew God, right? We, we, we believed in Jesus, but now we are being known, and we know him deeply, and our hearts can't contain it. That's why we got to preach the gospel to everyone we see. Well, there's an open invitation right now to know him. I want to encourage you to. Something that seems very unspiritual, but I believe is so spiritual. Schedule your time with the Lord like a meeting that you would never miss. I have to schedule meetings and the calendars, but the one thing that I'm learning to put on my calendar is I'm in a meeting with God right now. (laughs) That's the most important one. I can't cancel that meeting. I got to be with him because he's life. And, and this is the season where he's revealing himself. He always reveals himself. But there's this, there's this window right now where God is just, it's so open and it's so easy. And I want to encourage us to grab a hold of that. Grab a hold of the word. But don't just read the word like a book. He says when, when they come to, to the word, they search the word diligently, but they have no life. Beloved, you can read this Bible for the you could have been reading this Bible for the last twenty and thirty years and not have life. That's what that's what he say. He goes, you they diligently searched the scriptures, but they had no life. But you could come to church for the last twenty, thirty years and have no life. While you read the Bible every day. He says, Because they didn't come to me. They didn't come to Jesus. Well, there's so much life when, when we read this and we begin to dialogue with the Holy Spirit. And he says he takes the deep things of our Father and he begins to show them to us. And in that mix, our hearts begin to burn and come alive. And then we begin to see what the Father really is like. How tender the Father is. That he's not coming like most would think with, with a hammer to to say how horrible we are, but he's coming to really wash our feet. That's what Jesus did. He came to serve that we would be cleansed. That we would know how much we're loved. 
have eternal life. Amen? Let's turn to Galatians 5.16 for a moment. You can, you can turn there. I, I don't know if I'll... Let's... I want to... We, we don't just read this word. Let's turn there. Galatians 5.16. Are you guys with me? Galatians 5.16 is, is such a powerful passage from 16 to 26. I, it's one of those that I, I read often. I would encourage you to dive into this. It's called living by the spirit, not by the flesh, that we wouldn't gratify the flesh, but we would actually begin to have kingdom fruit. We're establishing culture. We want the fruit of the Spirit to be evident. Love, joy, peace. But as I'm connecting this to understanding who God is and having a revelation of Him, I want us to look at verse 25, chapter 5 of Galatians. He goes, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Because I, I don't want you just to know who I am. I want you to do who I am. It's really not enough to to come and and just learn about Jesus. He goes, I I want you to put this into practice. I want you to to pursue this. I want you to to live out who I am. He says in 1 John 2.29, he goes, If you know that he is righteous, then you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. That, that we actually live this righteousness, this kingdom out on the earth. Because when you do that, when, when the culture that you establish about yourself, right, the behavior and the actions, that's, what, that's the definition of culture. It's the definition really of, of kingdom. When, when God's reign or, or the ruler's reign is evident in the people, that is a kingdom that is being played out, right? When your life is reflecting the kingdom of heaven, they'll say, I knew that he was of God. I knew that he began to know and understand the righteousness of our king, Jesus. But we actually pursue those things. Amen? And we, we, how many want the kingdom of God to be reflected in their families? Isn't that good? I'm so glad we got 10 of you that really want this. (laughs) I hope you guys get my sense of humor. And we want it to be reflected in this church. That, That when people come in, they would experience the life of Jesus because of who we are. This is what he said to the Pharisees. If you want the culture of your family to shift, it starts with you. It starts with me. He says, if I want to see the realities of heaven in my family, and this is what I've been dialoguing with the Lord for the last month. God, I I just, I want to establish your culture Sometimes what we do when we get this way 
is we we look at what everybody else is doing right in society right we want to establish the culture of the kingdom of god we want to prepare a way for god and the earth and so what we begin to do as a church is we look out at the earth and we say oh if we could just change that <laughs> if they would just begin to see how god lives and what he's doing then our lives would be a lot easier if we're honest we do that in our families, don't we? If our kids would just begin to, to act this idea of humility out, or if they would, they would know how to be tender, if they, if they would just begin to love their brothers, you know, and then we would establish the culture. But the reality is, is it starts right here. And when we begin to live the culture out, it influences the culture around us. Amen. We have the ability to stir up strife in our actions, don't we? We have the ability to sow seed, good and bad. And we're always doing it. In our families, we're always establishing culture. In our church, we're always establishing. In the workplace, our conversations whether in the private or in the public, is establishing the culture of that place. Sometimes we think that us, you know, uh, tearing down someone else makes us feel like we're being exalted for a moment. This is true, isn't it? We've experienced this. Sometimes we, we begin to, to cut someone else down because if they're lower, then we feel better, especially if we do it to someone, you know, we're talking to someone else, to someone, now, now we, us two kind of feel exalted because we just pulled out their blemishes. The reality is we're, we're sowing seeds into a culture that comes to destroy, kill, and steal. It's, it's establishing those very seeds that we're sowing, even in the private, that that person didn't know, is actually influencing the culture of this room, of this family, as the culture of this city, as the culture of your family. And that will come back and begin to, to tear down the very unit that God is trying to uplift, the bride. Are you with me? These are, this is so critical. If we want to establish the culture, it starts with us first. But it doesn't just start with our actions. He says this to the Pharisees. He goes, you are like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. Beloved, it, it doesn't just start with us first. It starts with the relationship with the Holy Spirit on the inside. Remember the verse, he says, the kingdom of God is, is righteousness, joy, and peace. And what? It's in the Holy Spirit. You can't perform the kingdom of God on the earth. We could, we could set this as a checklist and say, hey, this is what the kingdom looks like. Let's, let's begin to do these things. And all that will do is bring frustration and condemnation. You look at, uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 4, that beholding the, 
when we're beholding um, the beauty of, of Jesus, the glory of Jesus, the context of that is taking our eyes actually off the law and onto the spirit. Because he said, when we begin to, to shift our view of just trying to figure out what's right and wrong and begin to live by the Holy Spirit, because that begins to produce the kingdom like a seed form. And that seed, when we water that seed on the inside, it begins to, to come. He, he said the kingdom of God, right, is like this little seed that comes forth in this great big tree that people can find rest in and shade. Because that's, that's what happens when we begin to say, I want to establish a, the culture of the kingdom for my children and my, and, and my family. When I want to establish the culture of the kingdom um, in the church or in the, the city, it starts with this little seed inside of us. And as we give ourselves to the seed, the Holy Spirit, right, God's seed in us. When we, when we begin to water that thing, that begins to shift our culture and begins to influence the culture around us. Amen? Again, it comes down to fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. See, when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 7, and 8, we, uh, that's truly the culture of the kingdom. That's what God wants us to see and begin to live out. But a garden that you just pluck all of the weeds out, and it has not a weed in it, still has no life. You, you can have a weedless garden, but unless you begin to plant the seeds for a crop, you'll get no fruit. That's what he's saying. We don't just spend time plucking weeds, although that's necessary. I take account of the things that need to be pulled, but we need to begin to sow in godly seed. We need to begin to fellowship and plant that in our garden that we would reap the fruit of the Spirit. We would reap his kingdom. Amen? As I started this uh, dialogue with the Lord, I put out this video to our leadership, and uh, I said, okay, you know, God's just calling to establish the, reflect the kingdom of heaven, that when people would come into to our church, they should experience the kingdom of heaven and not the kingdom of this earth. I said, so let's begin to identify some of the places that we are um, lacking, that need to be strengthened, some of, those, some of those places that we say, okay, this really isn't reflecting the kingdom of heaven. And so I was in this dialogue and, and, and talking with the Lord um, on this issue. And, and this is where 1 Corinthians 3.18, I think, is so critical. Let's, let's turn there. I keep quoting it. But Did I say 1 Corinthians? 2 Corinthians. I hope, because I went to 1 Corinthians and it wasn't there. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with, unveiled, uh, with an unveiled face, beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord, and are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What do we behold? 
It, it's not a trick question. I, I just read it. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> we, we, we grab a hold of, right? We, we fix our eyes on the goodness of the Lord, on the beauty of the Lord. We, we fix our eyes on the things that, that is bringing life to our hearts. He says, and when we begin to fix our eyes on, on the beauty and the glory, he goes, when we see that, we begin to be transformed in a supernatural way from, from Jesus into the very image that we're beholding. Actually, this, this is a very uh, just natural thing. Honestly, what you behold is what you become. I mean, that's, that's, God knows the makeup of our body. Right? He, he knows how he created us. And the more we behold something, the more we become. And so I, I put out, I thought, a pretty crafty little video. And then I just realized that it was wrong. <laughs> you, ever, you ever have that? So I put out another one. Um, instead of beholding our faults, let's behold where we want to go. So many times, you know, when we are done with our day and if you're a parent or spouse or, or wherever it is, we look through that day and we say, oh, I can't believe they did this. I can't believe this happened. I can't. And we just behold the lacking. We, we behold the faults. And, and I want to transform this. And I want to say, let's begin to behold the very beauty of God, the, the thing that he's doing, and then let's set a vision to do that. Because if we set our hearts to do the beauty of God, to, to what he's doing in his kingdom, and we begin to pursue that thing, all of the rest will just be left behind. For instance, if, if we want to behold the issue of pride, Right? And we want to deal with this issue of pride. And we're just sitting there, oh, it's prideful. We need to work on this. This is what we're doing wrong. We actually become the very thing that we're beholding. But if we say, oh, God is so humble. Oh, look at the beauty when he laid himself down. He showed his, his love in the place of humility. What happens? We, we begin to leave the issues of pride. And we become the thing that we're beholding. I love the definition of prophecy. It says this, 1 Corinthians 14, 3, but he who prophesies, right, the divine um, inspiration of the Lord, what the Holy Spirit is saying in that time, he goes, he speaks edification, exhortation, and encouragement. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that we uh, don't take an account of, of the sins. I'm saying what we behold and what God is saying is life. And he's, he's calling people into this identity. He's calling them. He says, actually, this is who you are. This is what I'm doing. And when we do that, we leave everything else behind. Let's stand. I want to encourage us to really begin to shift our culture. Because we, we influence the culture. We're the ones that are, are called to, to make change in our lives. starts with us and our families. But we need to see what, what God is doing. 
We need to behold him, behold his glory, behold his kingdom, Un- understand the very c- character and personality of Jesus. Amen? But in a very practical way, if you have a family, even if it's just you and your spouse, maybe you and you don't have a spouse but kids, let's, let's not go to sleep tonight thinking about all the things that we do wrong, but let's begin to, to look at who we want to become. Let's set our vision for something that's good. Not that we would look behind us, but we would look forward. And know as we fellowship with the Holy Spirit over that reality, we talk about, uh, talk with Him. We, we begin to see that very fruit of patience, love, joy, self-control springing forth. Amen. Father, I I thank you that you show us who you are because you love us. It's not to bind us, God, it's to free us. Lord, that we wouldn't reap the, the consequences of sin and death, God, but we would we would reap the benefits, the fruit, the crop of your spirit, of your kingdom. Father, I, I ask, Lord, show us and direct us, empower us to, to establish your culture here in this church, in this city, Father, in this nation, in our families. But God, let us, let the culture in this church be the same as the culture of my life in the workplace, in the grocery store. Monday night in the basketball gym. Let it be who we are, God. Let it be something that we don't perform. Transform us, God. Jesus. Amen.